So good morning, good to see you all, good to be here. How do you like this switching back and forth? It's kind of fun, right, between Tyler and I? Yeah, it's neat, something different. We never did that before, so it's been, it's been interesting. Uh, Ralph's not here. Ralph had a fever last night and went to the ER. If you don't know that, he's the elder, another elder of the church. I'll be paying, praying for Ralph. I don't know the outcome right now. I just know he went to the ER last night with a fever. So pray for him. And by the way, pray for everybody in this church. You don't know this, but I get the pleasure of knowing it. Every week there's some stuff going on. There's trials. There's tribulations. There's rejoicing. There's repentance. There's all kinds of things going on in the church every week. And uh, just pray for the body, because some are in trials and tribulations, some are rejoicing as they've overcome some things, so pray for the, your brothers and sisters in this church. So with that, we'll get back into the, to the book of James here. And this is our outline that we've been uh, working through, and you know what I need to do right now is review, review a little bit with you to make sure we're getting all these great truths from the Word of God. So the, the first uh, sermon we looked at was saving faith in trials. And what did we learn about trials? We learned that trials are unexpected. They, are, they come in various kinds. And what are we supposed to do when trials come into our lives? Count them all joy. Count them all joy. Consider it all joy. And that's putting on joy. It's, 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 it's a process of of believing God and, and embracing them with, with a joyful heart. And, and what else do we find out? We found out that God knows show, shows no favoritism. All children of God will go through trials. God uses trials to refine us. Here's some things that trials will do in your life. They, they reveal whether we have saving faith, and they also reveal our level of spiritual maturity. So you can count it all joy just from those two things alone. But they also build humility and tear down pride. They reveal idols in our life and help us destroy idols. They help us to better set our heart and mind on things above than things of the earth. They build attitudes of gratitude. They help us grow up. They serve as a witness to the lost world as they watch us embracing trials with great joy. And I think above all else, they build intimacy with Jesus. Because in trials... Really, he's the only one that can help us get through them. So we build our intimacy with, with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, some practical things we learned about trials. The first response of the flesh when a trial comes is to what? Run. Run to comfort. Run to, to, sin, run to sinful behaviors of the past. There's all kinds of things that happen when trials come in your life. You're, you're tempted to run. You, we don't like the uncomfortableness. We don't like the pressure of trials. But what are we supposed to do according to the Word of God? Embrace them. Embrace them. Stay in the fire. Start praying that God would teach you what He wants you to learn. Pray that God would change in you what He wants to change. You, you need to come before God and embrace those trials so that He will change you and make you more to the man and woman of God He wants you to be. And the other thing we're supposed to do is ask God for wisdom. It's a divine commandment. And, I, and I'm sure you agree with me on this. There has never been a trial that God led me into that I didn't need his wisdom in. It didn't make sense to me. It didn't feel good. So we cry for wisdom. And what does he do? He says that he will give generously without judgment. Isn't that good news? That's the God that loves us. And then the last thing he said about trials, remember, it won't be long. You'll be before the beam of seat of Christ. And I have a crown of life that I want to give to you. 
Keep your eye on things above. Remember, it won't be long you're going to come before me. Persevere through those trials and become the man or woman of God he wants you to be and get ready for your crown and your eternal life. Isn't that that good? It's a good word. Then last week we looked at temptation. Pastor Tyler taught us about temptation. Do you remember that from last week? Here was the title, the the Puritan title according to Tyler. But now he shaved his beard off, so I guess we're going back a little bit. Now the beard's gone. But it says, "The, the true child of God discerns good gifts from evil enticements. Good gifts from evil enticements. So, so the picture here, are you are all still with me? We're not even to the word yet. This is all review, so stay with me. So, so here's the point, is that trials come from God, and they're, and, and they're a way of calling us to himself. They're a way of building us up and maturing us in our faith. Temptations come from the evil one, and the desire of temptations is to what? Pull us away from God. Pull us away from God. So, so that's the picture of the two. And the reason that t- temptations are so deceptive, I want you to hear this, the reason that temptations have such a deceitful approach to us is because Satan takes counterfeit things of the world to appeal to our God-given needs. Do you get that? And that's why Tyler, Pastor Tyler talks about it comes from within. It comes in that the evil desires come from within. But the, the reason they're so deceptive is is, you know, God gave us taste buds, for example, because food, and he gave us an abundance of food. It's a beautiful gift from God, the banquet table of God in this, in this world. I've got a beautiful garden right now, and I go out there in the morning with my dog, and I eat a tomato or two off the vines, and there's some peppers on there. Some of them are a little too hot, but we eat a couple of those. It's just, it's fun enjoying the bounty of God's uh, uh, food. But the reality is, Satan will use that to come at us to, to lure us and make food an idol. He'll take something that's a God-given need and, and twist it. Sexual intimacy is, is a gift from God, but it's designed to be met in the intimacy of a marriage. Satan comes to us and appeals to us with that God-given need and tries to get us to meet it in sexual morality through the world. Amen? And I go on and on. The list is endless, but that is why it's so deceptive. And I love what Tyler taught us, because what happens is, if I have a need for peace... We all have a God-given need for peace, and instead of running to Jesus, I run to alcohol. What happens? It doesn't satisfy, right? It never drugs, alcohol, sexual immorality. They never deliver what they promise, and they never bring the God-given needs to a satisfaction. But the point is, is that if I run to alcohol once, I run to it again, and pretty soon it goes from a foothold to a stronghold. And that, now I've got a fortress that anytime I need something, I'm running to alcohol to meet a God-given need. Are you with me on this? And that's what temptation does. And and the reality is God is crying out to us, come to me. I can only meet those needs that I put into your hearts. Stop running to the false counterfeits because they will never satisfy. So that's what Tyler brought to us last week. And and by the way, I I love too that he talked about how he's given us all the, the, the power to overcome temptation in our life. The one that in us is greater than the one that is in the world. No temptation has seized us except what is common to man, and God will not let us be tempted beyond what we can bear. Keep each thought captive to Christ. We've got, all the, we've got the toolbox. And, and by the way, the, the amazing thing with trials and temptation, the battle takes place in the mind first. It comes into our mind. The trial comes in and says, I want to run. No, I'm not going to run. 
Temptation comes in, I'm going to go fill this God-given need in, in a sinful way. No, I'm not going to do that. I know God's going to provide a way out. I'm not going there. I'm not going back to alcohol. I'm not going back to sexual morality. I'm going to stay put, resist the devil, and he will what? He will flee. The battle's in the mind. But the moment you start entertaining those thoughts of temptation, of drinking or sexual morality, you start entertaining those thoughts, you're just leading yourself off to the slaughter. We all know that, amen? We've all been there. We've all been there. So it's a beautiful picture of the battlefield. And now what I love about the Word of God, I love so many things about the Word of God. A lot of good things in there, cacti. Yeah, (laughs) so the reality is, so he goes over this battlefield. We have this thing of trials, right? And we have this thing of temptation. And then he gives us the solution to both, which is the Word of God. The order is just beautiful. He says, I know you're going to have trials. I know you're going to have temptations. Now let me give you the solution. Where you need to run when you're in trials and where you need to run when you have temptations is the Word of God. And that's the next teaching of James. So what comes to your mind when you hear the Word of God? Don't all speak up at once. Truth, yeah. Truth, and that's good. It is absolute truth. We have, what's that? Oh, okay, I thought you were saying something. Oh, you're anticipating, okay. So, I mean, we, I think we'd all give some of the Sunday school answers, right? The inerrant Word of God, the living Word of God, truth. Those are all good answers. Change, I like that one, Byron. Change, that's a good way to look at the Word. It's, a, it's the renewing of our mind that transforms us. That's what has the power to change who we are, right? The new creation. Love. Yeah, the love letters of God. A way of life, absolutely. What's that? Adoption, yeah, reveals who we are now as as children of God. Adoption, I like that too. Comfort, yes. Was that you, Earl? Yeah, you had that filter on, I appreciate that. So, yeah, it's it's comfort. Uh, Let me give you some other ones. It's the spiritual food that sustains us. It's the foundation of our faith. It's the wisdom of life. It's the guiding light. It's, as, as Byron says, the transformation into the image of Jesus. And the other thing it really gives us is freedom. It's freedom that it brings to us. So the point here, just listen to me as we set this up. How we view the Word of God reveals if we're saved or not. Now, there, let's be honest. There's sometimes we look at this Word of God and say, this looks like work. I need to be disciplined. I I don't feel like being in the Word today. Let's be truthful with one another, right? If I'm working through the Bible and I'm in the book of Leviticus, I'm tempted to say this is boring. I I don't want to go there. I've said I'm tempted to. But but the reality is that's how it could be sometimes. But if that is how you view the Word all the time, that it's a drudgery, it's it's boring, it's I need to be disciplined, I, I have... It's hard for me to be in here. Then you have to question whether you're saved or not. Because over, the overriding reality of this book for us is this is the book of life. This is the book that we know is going to deliver us from the lies of the world. This is the book that's going to save us and sanctify us, right? So one of the things that the, as you look at the Word determines is whether you're saved or not, but then how we live with the Word of God determines our spiritual maturity. Are you a mature believer or not? Now, I want to warn you, I'm going to be a little bit longer today than usual. So just kind of pace yourself. 
Take a deep breath, stand up, stretch out a little bit. But this is too important just to blow over. Look, here's what Jesus said. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. You see that? So, you know, you think of your first birth, right, when you have an infant. And what are they doing all the time? They're, they're eating or sleeping, right? I mean, pretty much they're hungry all the time when they're awake, they're crying for food, or they're sleeping when you have a little infant. And that's the picture of a Christian after our second birth, after we've been born again. There should be this hunger and thirst like you were in your first birth for God's Word. In other words, you know, when you, when you go through a day, maybe you have to miss a meal in the busyness of the day, and there's that, that hunger in your stomach where you've got something, you just know, hey, you know, I'm starving right now. If you missed your devotion, you should have that kind of hunger and thirst for righteousness that you missed that morning time with God. So he says hunger and thirst for righteousness. That's a beautiful picture of what we're going to be talking about today. Now let me just give you three other truths from Jesus' words here as we approach the word, and then we will jump into the text for today. Look what he says here. I love the teaching in John 8. This is 8.37. This says, I know that you are offspring of Abraham, Yet you seek to kill me because my word finds what? No place in you. You know, if you want to put it in our context, he's talking to believers. He's talking to the church. These were the chosen people of of Israel, the nation of Israel. And he says, you know, you claim to be Christ followers. I'll put it in our context. Yet when the word of God comes to you, there's no place for it in your life. There's no room. It's like the seeds on the hard soil. The truths just bounce off and they don't produce any life change. You with me? And, and so, so the reality is this, this hard soil is, you know why there's no room, don't you? There's no place, there's no room in the soul is because it's filled with what? It's filled with self. It's filled with worldliness. The word just bounces off because you are your belief and your hope is in your own self and the ways of the world. Now the second thing, I love this too, look what else he says a little bit later, he's t- talking to these people, he says, why, why do you not understand what I say? It's because you cannot bear to hear my word. Do you hear, see that? Why would that be? Well, because this would be seeds in, in weedy ground, if you want to use a seed analogy, it, it's because there's a sin pattern in their life, there's an idol in their life, and the Word of God is revealing that this is an idol or sin in their life, and they don't want to hear it. I can't bear to hear that. Because I love my idol so much, don't tell me drunkenness is a sin. Don't tell me sexual morality is a sin. I, I have the right to be happy, don't I? They, they can't bear it. They, they, they refuse to hear it. You know anybody like that? And the third one is he kind of brings it all together. He says, whoever, hear, <clears throat> whoever is of God hears the words of God. The reason why you do not hear them is that you're not of God. He brings the hammer down. If you sit here every Sunday and come to Bible study on Wednesday and do devotions, and the word is continually, there's no room for it in your heart, you can't bear it when it confronts you in your sin, and it overall is foolishness in your life, it's because you're, you don't know God. Are you okay with that? Well, you should be okay with it because you're not in heaven yet. You're not in hell, so you still have time to enter the family of God if that's the case for you. 
And that is the desire of our hearts here at the Oasis, is those that are, are not saved will realize they're not saved before it's too late. So that's all set up. If you'd open your Bibles, we'll jump into the teaching of James uh, 1, 19 through 27. Our sister Anne is going to open the Word for us today. Please stand for the reading of God's Word. Hi, Oasis family. Um, James 1, 19 to 27. Know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness, and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself, and he goes away, and at once forgets what he looks like, what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction, and to keep oneself unstained from the word. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Let's pray together, brothers and sisters. Father in heaven, we come before your word today, and we do ask that you would speak to us, that we would have room in our hearts to hear from you, Pray that our hearts and souls are good soil and that you would change us and make us more into the men and women of God you want us to be. Father, we need you. We can't do this alone. Uh, we repent of our sinfulness that we committed today and yesterday and the, and the days before. We pray that you would forgive us and restore us into right relationship with you. And Lord, help us to hear your word today. In Jesus' name, amen. So three words I want to you to re- kind of meditate on today, which is, I'll say these after me, receive, believe, obey. Receive, believe, obey. That's your little memory cue that'll help you remember what we're teaching on today. So the first is to receive the Word of God. Very good, Kaji. So he says, know this, my beloved brothers. Know what? he's He's referring back to the verse that uh, Pastor Tyler closed on last week, which is James 1.18, and this is the verse, James 1.18, he chose to give us birth through the word of truth that we might be kind of first fruits, a kind of first fruits of all he created. So he, he said, know this, remember this, you know this. He said, you know that you were saved by the word of God. You know that there was a time in your life, all of you I pray, you heard the gospel and you were saved by the word of God. 
Are you with me on this? Look at the logic here. He says, so since you know that you were saved by the Word of God, know this, you should continue in the Word of God. It had the power to save you. It has the power to sanctify you and make you into the man or woman of God that you need to be. Trust in the Word of God. Are you, do you see that? So he says, know this. Know that it saved you and it has the power to sanctify you. And I love that he says beloved because James is not interested in behavior modification. He's interested in heart change. That's why he says beloved, my beloved brothers and sisters. Know this, hear me. I desire you to change and embrace the truth from the Word of God. And so then he says here that, and by the way, so, so what we're going to look at here, this is, this is really good stuff because we're going we're to look at how to get into the Word of God, to study the Word of God, to be changed by the Word of God. That's what this section teaches us. So the first one is to receive the Word of God, and he's going to teach us every time we are going to be entertaining or uh, engaging with the Word of God how we need to do that. Are you with me on this? So when you get up in the morning and do your devotions, he's going to teach you how you should engage the Word of God. When you come to church on Sunday, he's going to teach you how you should engage in the Word of God. When you go to Bible study, he's going to teach you how you should engage in the Word of God. And the first thing he says is be what? Be quick to what? To hear. Everyone should be, everyone, every believer should be quick to listen. It's a problem in our culture. We live in a busy, busy world full of noise. It is very difficult for Kaji to listen right now. <laughs> it's okay, Kaji. And so it's, uh, but it's very, it's very difficult to listen. And what he's talking about, he's, he's talking about active listening. He's talking about totally tuning in. He's talking about totally putting all the distractions of life aside, all the worries of the world, all your technology. And he's saying you come to the Word and you're coming to listen. You're, here it is, Mary and Martha. You know, Martha was busy serving and doing things. He said, I want you to be like Mary. I want you to come and I just want you to kneel at the foot of Jesus. I want you to be tuned into the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings. You've got to be totally dedicated to what he's going to say to you. You have to be on the edge of your seat for every word he's going to speak into your life. Can you get that picture? So that's what he means by quick to listen. When you come to the word, you have to be quick to listen. And I love the next thing is that. He said, slow to speak. Have you noticed that we're not very good listeners if we're talking? How about this? We're also not very good listeners, and you see it on people's faces. You're saying something, and they're looking about what they're going to say next, right? They can't wait for you to stop because they've got these thoughts in their head where they're going to come out and start talking to you. Are you with me on this? But, so so you, have to be, you have to be quick to listen and slow to speak. And let me give you this picture too. Is this true for when we're alone with our Bible doing devotions? Absolutely. Have you ever read two pages of your Bible and go, you know what, I don't know one thing I just read. Why is that? Because you were talking. Who are you talking to? Yourself. You're talking to yourself. You're reading the Bible, well, you know, when I get done with this, this is what i got to do today, i got all this going on. You know, i got to talk to that person about this. And you know, when I, oh boy, this is a good truth for somebody else in the church. I need to share this verse with so-and-so. And on and on and on, the little mouth is going. I, I, is it just me? So, so when he's saying quick to listen, he's not just talking about showing up in church and listening. He's talking about when you're in your individual devotions as well. Is we have to be quick to listen, slow to speak. That's true in church, too, and in Bible study. You can sit here. I've done it. I 
sat here and the sermon was going on and I was thinking about what I was going to cook for Sunday dinner. Talking to myself. So you have to, are you getting this? You've got to be all in on this thing to get, to get what God's trying to say to you. Whether it's your devotions, Bible study, church, it's got to be a total commitment to, to hearing from the Word of God. So then he goes on here. So that's receive the Word of God. To receive the Word of God, you have to be quick to listen, slow to speak. To believe the Word of God, you have to be slow to anger. What's that talking about? By the way, this word anger here means an internal anger, a disagreement. It's a refusal to, be- to believe the Word of God. That's what he's talking about. It creates disagreement. It creates an internal anger. And you, and you choose not to believe whatever that Scripture was teaching. Does that make sense? So, we all believe me, brothers and sisters, we all have pre-understandings of what we believe that's been ingrained into us from the lies of the world. And those are strongholds. So when a verse of Scripture jumps out at you and goes against everything you've ever been taught, you're like, I don't want that. I, I don't believe that. that. That's not what my mom and dad taught me. That's not what my grandparents taught me. That's, that's not what I learned at the other church I was at. But, but the reality is, is that that will prevent you from, from learning and taking in the Word of God if you, if you have that sense of, of disagreement or refusal to believe. And these aren't endless categories, truths about marriage. You know, I can remember this situation. This is probably 20 years ago now, but I had a dear friend, a brilliant man. He graduated from MIT. He ran a very large corporation in Pittsburgh, but we'd always get together once or twice a year, and we'd talk about God. He was a strong believer, and we'd talk about engineering because he, he was a great engineering mind. We had a lot of fun with that. But I'd never forget this one time he came out to see me. This is probably, again, 20 years ago. And we'd, we went out to lunch. And I could tell something was heavy in his heart. And I finally said, what's going on? He said, well, I'm getting divorced. I said, wow. They've been married 25 years. I was surprised they were getting divorced. I said, well, tell me what happened. There was a hesitation. He said, well, I've fallen out of love with my wife. I said, okay. Um, let me ask you this question. Who have you fallen in lust with? And he hesitated even longer on that. But then he told me who it was, which is someone I knew that he worked with. And so he, he, he had lies that he had put into his heart to justify his sinful pattern. And I said to him, I said, the Bible doesn't teach you that you, that you fall in and out of love. Love is a choice. You choose to love your spouse or you don't choose to love your spouse. You've taken your, your love and you've fallen in lust and now you're justifying it that you've fallen out of love with your wife. I can guarantee you this, if you cut off that adulterous relationship right now and fully commit back to your marriage, which is a covenant you made before God till death do you part, and invest all your time and attention on her, you'll fall back in love with her again. You'll choose to love her. And by the way, the God of the universe wants you to honor your marital covenant as well, so ask Him to help you love your wife the way you're supposed to love her, and He will help you. But you see, it was a lie. Those are lies we build into our hearts and souls that, that, that the world teaches. Don't I have the right to be happy? No, you don't. Where did you get that? I hear we, get the, we have the right to suffer is what I hear in the Bible. So, so the, 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 the lies of marriage, the lies of money, let me give you, can I give you one more illustration or story here, but lies about money, 
get that deep breath here. So uh, this was probably 25 years ago, but there was this seminar I went to called Business by the Book. It's a, it's a seminar that changed my life. It's called Business by the Book. It was for Christian business owners. It's a two-day long seminar, eight hours each day, and it taught you how to run your business according to the Word of God. It was awesome. I didn't know that much about running a business that was in the Bible, but it changed how I viewed uh, everything about the workplace. But I'll never forget this question. It was an old, retired Southern banker with a, with a deep Southern drawl teaching this class, and uh, just a distinguished man, three-piece suit. I mean, just, you know, your picture of, uh, of a Southern gentleman. And he said to the class, somebody finally raised their hand, there's about 20 business owners and things, said, hey, I've got a question, teacher. He said, you know, are we supposed to tithe out of the net or the gross? And if you don't know anything about business, there's a big difference between those two numbers. It's easier to, to tithe out of the net than it is out of the gross. And he just didn't even hesitate. He said, well, do you want God's wisdom on the net or do you want God's wisdom on the gross? Yeah, very good. But you can imagine 15, 20 Christian business owners didn't really want to take that in. They said, whoa, that's, that's a big number. That's a big sacrifice. That's a change of my standard of living. This is going to dramatically affect my life if I go that way. hard to take those truths in. It creates anger. It's a disagreement. You don't want to go there. And by the way, it's really no different than all Christians. Do you know the number is that less than 8% of professing Christians tithe to their church? Less than 8%. Do you know what that is? That's a disobedience to God, and it's a lack of faith. Because you're saying, I, you know, God, I know you're telling me to do this, but I won't make my mortgage payment. I won't make my car payment. I won't be able to feed my family. And you're saying to God, you're not big enough for me to tithe to the church. I don't trust you enough to tithe to the church. So many people don't tithe. Less than 8%. So anyway, so we all have trouble with these things. Money, uh, sexual immorality, and, and so on. But the point is, is that when we come across these truths, we have to decide whether we're going to believe and obey. Are we going to believe that this is true from God? We can't fight against it. Is this true or is it not true? And so you have to choose to believe. Amen? Okay. Okay, and then he goes, just checking time. Then look what he says here. He says, therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your soul. You know what he's saying here? Repent. Repent. Put away your sinful patterns in your life. Put them away. Turn, take them off. Put on the Word of God with humility and it'll save your souls. He's saying repent. To me, the picture is the, the Beatitudes. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. The first thing is to realize His glory and our sinfulness. Blessed are the poor in, uh, poor in spirit, but then blessed are those who mourn. As they see their sinfulness, they repent. Blessed are the meek, then we have a heart of humility. Then, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. It's the process of getting your heart ready to, uh, to listen to the Word of God. Okay, the last area, you're doing great. I don't know what just happened there. I guess we're going to sing again. <laughs> okay. Well, we're going to sing this one now. 
Okay, well, you've got your Bibles, your handout, so you can see it in, your, in the bolt as well. But James 1.22 through 25, the next slide is... There we go. Now we're back. Thank you, whoever, John. But it says, But be doers of the word, not hearers, only deceiving yourselves. This is about obedience. And I love this. It says that if... See, stay with me, brothers and sisters. So... So many people go to church and go to Bible study and do devotions and they, they, they come and they, they read the Word of God, they, they, they hear the Word of God, but it doesn't change their lives. Are you with me on this? They, they're, they're hearing it, they know it. We all know people that can recite Scripture. There's many people I've met that recite lots and lots of Scripture, but the reality is they're deceiving themselves because they're hearers only. They're not doers of the Word of God. Does that make sense? So look at, look at, let's use this for uh, a kind of a building point of the 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. We all know that scripture, that all scripture is God-breathed, useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. But what does 17 say? It says, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. You see that? The, the purpose of God bringing his word to us isn't just so we have knowledge, it's so that we change our lives so that, we're, that we will carry out the good work that he called us to. We're supposed to be living differently. So teaching would be we come to the Word of God and he teaches us a new truth, a deeper truth of something we know. Rebuking means we come to the Word of God, he reveals some sin in our life or idol so that we may repent. Correcting, I love that. He doesn't just leave us in repentance, but he shows us the right path we should be on to live a godly life. And then training in righteousness is about building godly character into our lives. So each one serves a purpose, and he comes at us with each of those things as we come to the Word of God to change us. And then he gives us this beautiful illustration. He said, for, for if anyone is a hearer of the Word and not a doer, he is a light, like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. Are you with me on this? You picture this in your own mind? He gives us an illustration. So this person... Is, is oh, I'm, I'm working my way through the book of James right now, and I got my highlighter out, and I'm circling words, and I'm writing out verses, and man, I'm all serious about this bad boy. I'm going to get this down. And then here's what happens. I just go on and live life like I didn't even, I never was there. It had no impact on my life. Nothing. And when you see me in the world, you know what you see? Just another guy in the world. He's no different. He's just, just like everybody else. You're not a doer of the Word. And by the way, those are the same people that, you know, if you're at work, they'll pull you aside and they'll quote you some Scripture. Hey, you know, by the way, let me pray for you. But when they look at their lives, they're like, if that's what a Christian is, I want nothing to do with this new life. So that's, that's many, and he goes, that, that, so the they're, they're, they're religion is worthless, as we'll see, but look, let's go look at the positive one. But the one who looks, I like the way he says it, the, but the one that, who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets but a doer who acts, will be blessed in his doing. Isn't that good? So you see here, this, this other person is also studying the book of James. And, and, and as they're studying it, there's, there's, a, there's a conviction of the Word of God. Some truth comes out and it hits them. 
and, and, and it overwhelms them. It's a truth that just kind of grabs a hold of them. And it could be something like loving your enemies or whatever it might be, as we'll get into some of these teachings. But it grabs you and you can't let go of it. And so throughout the day, you're kind of meditating, God, you know, I really want to be able to love my enemies. Help me understand what this truth means. And you're kind of meditating on it throughout the day and you're talking to God about it. You can't let go of it. You're, you're, you want to put it into practice in your life. Are you with me on this? So, so maybe, or maybe it's a rebuke. Maybe as you're in the Word of God, God reveals some sin pattern in your life you, you, you were unwilling to or unable to see, and He reveals a sin pattern in your life, and you're convicted by that. So throughout the day, you're, Lord, help me to overcome this sin pattern in my life. I no longer want to have this controlling me, this enslavement, and you're, work, you're determined to overcome it. Because see, brother and sister, the one that is a doer of the Word loves God above all else. He knows the price that was paid to save you. He know, you know He adopted you out of the pit of hell when you deserve eternal punishment, and He saved you, and so you're eternally indebted to Him, and you want to be changed. You want to bring Him glory and honor. You want to bring Him the praise He deserves. Maybe it's correction, showing you a new path. Maybe it's training where He reveals a character attribute. Maybe he wants you to become more patient. Maybe he wants you to be less angry. Whatever it is, you're taking it in and you're putting it to practice day by day, week by week, until you overcome that struggle. And how long does this go on? Your entire life. Your entire life. You just keep going back and he keeps giving you more things and he keeps changing you. Okay, we're almost done. You're doing great. I love this too. It says the law of liberty. Do you see that? Both these people want freedom. The one that looks in the mirror intently and walks away unchanged. The one that comes to study James but walks away unchanged. The one that comes to James and is determined to live it out. They both want liberty. They both want freedom. Do you see that? But the one is trusting in self and the world to give them that freedom. They're not taking the truth into life. It's, just, it's a box-checking, I did that. The other one knows that true liberty, true freedom, comes from someone that knows and believes and obeys the Word of God. That's what helps us to overcome slavery to sin, slavery to Satan, and helps us to become the man and woman of God He wants us to be. We also know that the longer we persevere is a good word. The longer we persevere in these truths, the more freedom we get and the more foundation we have. Okay, last text here. You're doing great. It says, If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his, his tongue, he deceives his heart. This person's religion is worthless. It's worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction, to keep oneself unstained from the world. Let me, let me show you this. And by the way, what is, he, what is he saying? I want you to get this picture down, right? This is, he said religious person. This is a good church-going man or woman. Uh, they might attend Bible study. They might do their devotion. They might be the people that can quote, quote a lot of verses. But as you look at their life, it's all talk. It's all talk. He said your religion's worthless. You might as well stay home on Sunday. Your religion's worthless. I think Jesus, let me just show you a verse from Jesus that summarizes the same thing. 
He said, you will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. Well, it could be a wolf, but typically it could be, Byron, it could be, but it could be someone that's just truly not saved. They're just very religious like the Jewish people were. It's a good question. But it, it's someone that, that's reading and studying the Word of God, but there's no intentional desire to change their lives. Yeah. So that's, that's why we're supposed to be judging uh, believers by their fruit. You can talk all you want about the kind of guy or gal you are in Christ, but we want to look at your life. Is there, is there fruit? Is there, is there spiritual fruit of the Holy Spirit in your life? Do we see love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and gentleness, and self-control in your life? Are those some of the fruits that we see as we observe how you're living your life? Let me have your checkbook. I'll be looking for fruit in your checkbook. You can look at my checkbook. I, I, I would love for you to come look at my financial statements. I love that accountability. You show me yours, I'll show you mine. Let's see where you're spending your money. That's a fruit. Where are you spending your time? How much time are you in the TV? How, much time? How are you helping others? How are you serving others? By the way, he picked orphans and widows because those were the most needy people in the early church. A widow could starve to death and be homeless because once she was a widow, there, if there was no family to provide for her, she was at the mercy of the community. There was no shelters. Orphans, there was no moose heart. These orphans were desolate, typically turned into beggars. So he said, you know, these were the, the most needy people. You're not even helping the most needy people in your community, and you profess Jesus Christ? So examine your, your lives. Where, where, what are you doing with your time, talent, and treasures? Is there evident fruit in your life? Last verse, I promise. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? As for everyone who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice, I will show you what they are like. They are like a man, a woman, building a house who dug down deep and laid the foundation on rock. When a flood came, the torrent struck the house but could not shake it because it was well built. But the one who hears my word and does put them into practice, do you hear that? Put them into practice like a man or woman who built a house on the on the ground without a foundation. The moment the torrent struck, the storm came, that house had collapsed, and its destruction was complete. Brothers and sisters, we are going to be in constant battle. I'm closing with this. We're going to be in constant battle in our life with trials and temptations until Christ calls us home. And the only way we can overcome these trials and temptations is to be men and women of the Word of God. It's the only way. I love you. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you, for, thank you for your word. And I pray for anybody here that's being convicted right now that they would surrender their life to you, Lord Jesus. They would repent and be welcomed into the family of God so they can begin to live the new life of freedom, true freedom, apart from the lies of the world, the counterfeits that Satan offers, true love and joy and peace. And Lord, I pray that the Oasis will stand tall in the word of God all the days that you give us and we will help others to stand tall in the word of God. We love you, Lord Jesus, and in your name we pray. Amen.